Amen. I hope you have enjoyed these videos over the last few weeks, uh, seeing where uh, this missions offering, where those funds are going and being spent. And um, as I mentioned, we'll continue for the month of May taking up this offering. And um, if you are able to, uh, would you, first of all, turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 23. And if you are able to, would you please stand in order to honor the reading of the words of our God. So John chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 23. So John chapter 2, verse 23, the word of God says to us this morning. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, And the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things, earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses was lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come before you now this morning. God, we thank you for your word that points us to Christ. For your word that reminds us of what Jesus has done for us how he came to this earth and he died on the cross for our sins so that all who would place their faith in him no matter their backgrounds no matter what sort of lifestyle they lived whether it was a moral lifestyle or an immoral lifestyle all would have hope of eternal life through your son Jesus Christ Lord God I ask now that you would be glorified through the preaching of your word so that every heart might confess that Christ is Lord pray these things in Jesus' name. We're going to do something today where I'm going to talk about birth, and I'm not going to pass out. Uh, If uh, you know me, uh, I don't do well with medical things. Uh, Every single one of our child's birth, um, I did not witness. I was in the room. 
uh, but I had to sit down for every single one of those. I remember, I can't remember if it was Owen or Camille's, where they asked me if I wanted to come cut the cord. I said, nope, I'm totally fine sitting where I'm at. And uh, I saw the nurses kind of look at each other, and they thought, okay, it's one of these guys. And uh, thankfully, uh, I made it through every single one of those births without passing out. Um, we'll see what the Lord has in store for the future, if that's going to be the case. But um, uh, today, we are going to be talking about, on Mother's Day of all days, we're going to be talking about birth. Um, and not simply a physical birth, but actually one that is more important. We're talking about a spiritual birth. And so I want to ask you, have you been born again? That's a question we need to be asking ourselves as we look at this text this morning. Is, have you been born again? Have I been born again? And you know, when, when people hear that, that question, they might react exactly like this man Nicodemus reacts, right? How can one be born again a second time? What do you mean? I've already been born into this world. Or maybe, like our culture today, they hear those that phrase, born again Christian, born again believer. <laughs> and maybe, like our culture, they immediately begin to think of, of some political affiliation. Or, or they think of someone who has some maybe sort of deep emotional experience. Or maybe they've been delivered from uh, a life of drugs and alcohol and they've had some emotional and deep experience and they've come out of a, a, a crazy background of life and they've been born again. Or, or they think it's someone who just lives a life that is full of deep morals and, and moral virtue. But is that what it means to be born again? No, no, no. We're going to explore what it means to be born again here today. And as we look at John chapter 3, actually three times in the first seven verses, you have Jesus mention the new birth. You have this unique emphasis on the new birth. In, in verse 3, Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Skip down to verse 5. You see him say, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. <clears throat> and then in verse 7, he says, you must be born again. So there's this emphasis, emphasis here on birth, on new birth. So what does it mean then to be born again? Well, the sort of fancy theological term for, for those of you who love to study theology and doctrine, which should be, I think, all of you, um, but for, for, for those who love theological terms, the fancy term for this is regeneration. And basically what this means is regeneration consists of two aspects. This is what it means to be born again. It means the removal of one's old sinful self, sinful nature, and the imparting of a new nature. To be born again is more than simply just a reformation. It's more than simply just a reform of one's character. Rather, it's to be completely made new. To be completely made whole. It's to be new and it's to be transformed into a new creation. So that's what it means to be born again. And when I'm asking you, have you been born again? Has this change happened in your life? I don't mean, have you just uh, come to some sort of belief about, about something about Jesus? I mean, have you been completely made new through faith in him? And, and, and you know, as we, as we look at our text this morning, uh, the reason I started at the end of chapter 2, verse, in verse 23, is it shows us that Jesus knows all men. 
And, and really what you have over the next couple chapters is you have Jesus engaged in a number of conversations where Jesus gets to the heart of a number of individuals with different backgrounds and with different needs. Here in chapter 3, we see him interacting with Nicodemus, who was a religious leader. We'll dive into that in a moment. In chapter 4, you see him engage with this Samaritan woman at, at the well, who is almost the complete opposite of who Nicodemus would be. Then in the following, following that, you have him interacting with a Gentile official, a Gentile ruler. And then later you have him interacting with a man at a pool who needs healing. And so the difference is between all of these individuals, as we'll see over the next couple chapters, not all this morning, don't worry, we're not going to go that long. Uh, but the, the difference is if between these individuals is incredibly extreme. You have the, the highest of the high in Nicodemus. You have the, the, the great morality and respect that Nicodemus would have. And then you have some of the lowest of the low with the Samaritan woman or, or the, the individual who needs healing. And what Jesus does in each and every one of those situations is he gets to the very heart of the matter, to the very center of what they truly need. So let's take a look at Nicodemus. We're, we're introduced to Nicodemus here in verse 1. It says that he is what? What do you see the scriptures say there? That he is a ruler of the Jews. In other words, what that means is that he is a member of the Jewish governing group uh, called the Sanhedrin. He was somebody that the Jewish people greatly looked up to. He was someone that, that all of the Jews and the surrounding communities and, and all throughout the nation, they, they would have looked up to him and they would have seen him as a man who had it all. He had everything together. He had it all together. He had a position of leadership. He had authority, he had power, and he likely had a lot of money as well. And in fact, Nicodemus is a fascinating character in the book of John. He actually shows up in three spots. First one here, obviously, is in John chapter 3. He shows up again in chapter 7, verse 50, and then chapter 19, verse 39, when Jesus, his body is taken down and entombed. Uh, Nicodemus comes and he brings a bunch of spices to anoint Jesus' body. Expensive spices, showing what? that he was a man of wealth. And he's a fascinating character as we go through the Gospel of John. We'll see him sort of develop, sort of get to know and see, begin to see who Jesus is. Um, and so he goes to Jesus, sees a ruler of the Jews, and notice how he went to Jesus in verse 2. <clears throat> it says, this man came to Jesus by night. Now, he goes to Jesus under the cover of darkness, likely because he's a ruler of the Jews. Uh, the Jews were beginning to oppose Jesus, and uh, we'll see them oppose Jesus throughout this gospel. Uh, so he likely didn't want to be seen with Jesus. So he goes to him under cover of darkness for secrecy, but also darkness. The theme of darkness in the gospel of John is more simply just about whether it was night or day. There's a deeper meaning to it. It's often used in John for spiritual darkness. And so this taking place at night isn't showing just that he was going under cover of secrecy. It's likely that Nicodemus, even though he had it all, according to the world, he was still in darkness, and John is showing us that he was lost. And so he goes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
So he goes to Jesus. He calls him rabbi, which is in which is a respectful title, meaning teacher. He acknowledges the work that Jesus is doing and the signs that he has done. He's able to do so because uh, he, he, he has come from God. Yet how does Jesus respond? He responds exactly like how you would expect Jesus to respond in the Gospel of John, right? He, 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 he shows Nicodemus and he shows us our greatest need. He dives right in and he gets to the heart of Nicodemus' issues. Nicodemus, going to Jesus at night, is likely thinking, let's have some sort of casual conversation about what's going on. Maybe there might even be some sort of influence that Nicodemus might be able to play in his life and say, Jesus, if you just do these things, I can I can get you onto the Sanhedrin. Or we really like all of these things that you're doing, but we don't like exactly the manner in which you're doing that. No, no, no. Jesus looks at him and tells him, truly, truly, I say to you, verse 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus responds just like any other Jew would. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? I mean, I think it's a good question, right? Can he enter in to his mother's womb and be born a second time? He's confused. He, he doesn't understand what, what, what is meant by being born again. How can a man be born again? But as we see, Jesus is not speaking about a physical birth. He's speaking about something that is much deeper, and that is a spiritual birth. And so Jesus goes on and he explains in verse 5. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, there's a lot that's packed into those three verses there, right? Jesus is basically telling this man, he's saying that if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And that's an incredibly big shock to someone like Nicodemus, a man who had it all, right? He had power, he had influence, he had morality. He, he was looked at as an incredibly put-together person. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were known for their strict and rigid morality. Yet Jesus looks at him and he tells him, you must be born again. Nicodemus, this, this very respected and moral and put together person, goes to Jesus and Jesus says, you must be born again. In other words, what is Jesus saying to him? He's saying, you are dead. He's saying, you're not part of the kingdom of God. And he's, he's, saying, he's saying, you don't even know God. You're not part of his people. Nothing you have done, your reputation, your morals, your character, nothing you have done can gain you entrance into God's kingdom. And that's a complete shocker. Because if there was ever anybody to make it into the kingdom of God, according to the Jews, it would be their religious leaders. However, Jesus is showing us that entrance into the kingdom and the new life that comes from the one true God, that does not come about, come about by anything that we have done, but only by what God has done for us. 
So Jesus is telling this man who has it all together. And he turns the tables on him and he says, you are dead. And you know, friends, there's a reason why Jesus doesn't tell him what he tells the woman in chapter four. The Samaritan woman in chapter four, she's been living this immoral lifestyle. In John chapter four, he, he meets her at the well in the middle of the day. She's likely trying to hide from the people because people don't go draw water in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. She's lived this immoral lifestyle. And, and what did Jesus say to her? Well, if you see in John chapter four, Jesus tells her, he says, I have living water. In other words, he says to her, I have something that's going to quench your thirst, that will fulfill what you are longing for. And there's a reason why Jesus doesn't say that to Nicodemus. He doesn't tell Nicodemus, I have living water, like the woman at the well in John 4. And he also doesn't tell the woman at the well that she needs to be born again, because she would simply say, I know I do. I Yes, I know that I'm living a sinful lifestyle. I know I'm dead, but I keep on searching. Instead of Jesus saying that to Nicodemus, who likely was very content with everything that he has. He has everything. He has everything he thinks he needs. What does Jesus say? He says, you need to be born again. He's saying, you are dead. He's saying, you think you're good. He's saying, you think you have a life. You think that your righteousness, your, your good living, your morality has gotten you into the kingdom. But Jesus is saying, it is not. And in fact, you are dead and we see the samaritan woman in the coming weeks we'll see that she knew she was lost but nicodemus didn't know he was and so the mother's here this morning teach your kids this teach your kids that the way to true life is not through sports not through good grades not through even good behavior as important as all of those things are but through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who they are or what they have done. If they are more like Nicodemus here or they're more like the Samaritan woman, the way into eternal life, the way into the kingdom of God is, is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by anything that we have done, but through faith in him. And mothers, may you model that faith and that commitment to Christ yourself. Teach them about who Jesus is. Teach them about what he has done. Even if your kids have trusted in Christ at a young age, continue to point them to the hope of eternal life that is found in Jesus. You know, I see in Nicodemus some similar patterns in my own life. <clears throat> I see myself, I guess, in one sense, I see myself in Nicodemus. My family's here today, and they probably say, well, not, not necessarily. But growing up, I was often seen as a good kid, and I found my identity in that. Uh, but ultimately, morality is not going to be what saves you, right? Maybe there are some kids, some students here today, and you are known for being good. You're known for having it all together. But look at Nicodemus here. He's lost. He needs to be born again. And that new life is offered only in the Lord Jesus Christ. So may you see your need, no matter whether you're like Nicodemus, you identify more as Nicodemus, or you uh, identify more, as we'll see in chapter 4, the immoral woman in chapter 4. We all need saving faith that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need to be born again. There's only hope in Him, not anything that we have done or 
or thought we have done, that salvation is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. So Nicodemus says here in verse 4, he asks, how are we to be born again? How can this happen? And then Jesus answers that in verse 5. But before I before we look at at that, before we look at what Jesus is saying in verse five, I want to answer the question of, well, why? Why must we be born again? Why must we be born again? Well, we need to be born again because we need more than simply an improvement upon our actions or our way of thinking. We need to be born again because, as one pastor put it this way, according to Scripture, God has made us to worship him. God has made us to love him and to find in him our deepest satisfaction. That was our nature as he originally created. However, when Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 sinned against God, they didn't just break a rule. They corrupted their nature to its core. In other words, man and woman were created originally with a nature to love and serve the Lord. But now all of us have a nature that is corrupted by sin and it's bent on loving ourselves. In other words, the the way the Apostle Paul puts it, we are all dead in our sins and trespasses against God. So, So we're not morally neutral towards the Lord. Rather, we are dead, as we see Jesus explaining here. We are dead and we're in rebellion against him. Thus, we need to be born again. We need to be made alive. We don't need just a minor tweak on our life. We don't just need a minor improvement, but we need a whole new nature. We need a new life. We need to be made new. And this new birth is not just for those who simply need to make an improvement with their lives, who just need a change of scenery, who need to just improve their actions and get their act together. No, no, we see here Nicodemus, who had his act together, he needed a new birth as well. In other words, those who need to be born again is for everyone, for the the religious the, the religious elite like Nicodemus to the social outcast like the Samaritan woman in, in chapter four, who was morally bankrupt. All of us, every single one of us need to be made new. So that's why we need to be made new, because we are lost. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses against God. We can't make any improvement on our lives that will bring a lasting and eternal change. That's why we need to be born again. So we looked at why do we need to be born again? Now let's answer the question of how are we born again? We looked at why, but how? How then are we born again? Look with me at verse 5. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So how are we born again? Born again through the water and the spirit. Okay, John, what does that mean? <laughs> there are various ways that this has been explained throughout church history. There are some who have said, well, water uh, maybe is referring to, uh, you know, in pregnancy, the water breaks. And then so that's physical birth and then spirit. Okay, that's spiritual birth, so there's the physical and the spiritual. There are others who say, well, water maybe is baptism, and then spirit is is the spirit working in our lives. I don't think those are, are helpful. I don't think that's what John, that's what Jesus means here. What is Jesus referring to here? Ultimately, I think he's talking, using this analogy to talk simply about spiritual birth. 
a spiritual birth that cleanses us for our, from our sins, that, that brings life where there is death. And it looks like what Jesus is doing here is he's actually pointing back to the Old Testament to explain the new life, the cleansing that comes about by being born again. He, he's pointing back to the Old Testament. In fact, if you want to turn with me to Ezekiel 36, I believe that Jesus is referring specifically to that text there. And you might be asking, well, well, why why would I think that's the case? Why do I think Jesus is referring to Ezekiel 36 there? Well, because in verse 10, Jesus rebukes Nicodemus. In verse 10, he says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? In other words, Nicodemus, being a religious leader, he should have known the Old Testament, right? He would have known the law. He would have known the teachings of the prophets. He would have he would have known Ezekiel chapter 36. And he's saying, you don't understand this, Ezekiel. You should. You're a teacher of Israel. This is an important text. You should know this. And so uh, th- th- I believe this is what he's referring to here is Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. And what you have often in the Old Testament is that when the water is used figuratively in the Old Testament, it's referring to a renewal and to a cleansing that is happening. And so in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, what you have here is you have both water and the spirit being used here to signify what? To signify a cleansing from impurity, to depict ultimately a transformation of heart. In other words, new life that will enable the people to follow God faithfully. So look with me at 36, 25 through 27. Art read this for us earlier. Jesus, the spirit is speaking there and says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I, I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. In other words, what the Lord is saying there in Ezekiel 36, as people had turned away from him, turned away from following his commands and his his uh, upon their life, he's saying, you need a new heart. In order to follow me, you need a new heart. You need a new life. I need to send my spirit to cleanse you and to wash you, to put a new heart within you. In other words, as we see Jesus picking up here, They need to be born again. And actually, you look, you skip over to Ezekiel 37, and you have one of the most important chapters, I think, in all of the prophets that's significant of dry bones, death, having what? Life. The Spirit of God comes and brings life, depicting what God does for us when he saves us. That we who are dead in our sins, God sends his Spirit, brings life, cleanses us, and we are able to live for him. So you have both water and the spirit being used in Ezekiel 36. In other words, showing us that we all need to be cleansed because of our sins. Our sin has separated us from God, from an infinitely holy God, and we must be cleansed. And this comes about through the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing us to saving faith in Christ. So that is how we are born again, not by any reformation of actions, not by self-help tips and improvements. No, it's by the Spirit working in our lives to bring life where there was only death. So we've looked at why, we've looked at how, and now 
we're going to look at where the new birth is found. Look with me. Uh, turn back to John chapter 3, verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus said to him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. Verse 14, I really want us to look at. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So where is the new birth found? It's in the lifting up of the Son of Man. This phrase used here, the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is the first of three references to Jesus being lifted up in the Gospel of John. All three times, Jesus being lifted up is a reference to him being lifted up on the cross, his resurrection and his exaltation at the right hand of God the Father. And what you have Jesus doing here in verse 14 is he is going again back to the Old Testament. It's a reference to Numbers 21, where in Numbers 21, uh, after God had delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, you remember that when we went through the book of Exodus uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we saw God deliver the people out of slavery and bondage to Egypt. They, they wander about in the wilderness. They cry out, we don't have anything to eat. And what does God do? He sends them manna, bread from heaven, in order to meet their needs. Well, so they go about, they, they're wandering after God has provided for their needs by giving them bread. However, what do they begin to do? They begin to celebrate God always for providing? No, they do what most of us do, right? They grumble. They complain against the Lord and they complain against Moses. And what God ends up doing is he sends a plague of venomous snakes upon them. And many people ended up dying. I hate snakes. I can't imagine how awful that would have been, right? But it's a picture of God's judgment upon sinful rebellion. However, the people end up repenting. And in Numbers 21, verses 7 through 9, uh, what they end up doing is God tells Moses, well, make this bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, and whoever is bitten, look to it, and I will heal them. And so Jesus is saying that just as Moses lifted up that bronze serpent, so too all who look to Jesus, all who look to him who is lifted up and believe in him, they will have eternal life. God graciously gave the people in the wilderness a way to be delivered from the punishment for their sins. And what that pictured in a small way in the Old Testament in Numbers 21 is how through faith and belief in Jesus. Now, today, all who look to Christ in faith, who was lifted up and crucified on our behalf, so too might, might we be healed and delivered and have eternal life. And he explains it further in verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And John goes on to explain verse 16, the verse that every single one of us have likely heard before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one, only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So friends, we've seen why we need to be born again. We've seen how we are born again. We've seen where we are born again by looking to Christ and where the new birth is found. But have you received? Have you believed 
and trusted in Christ. That he was lifted up for your sin. You see, in bringing about our new birth, Jesus did for us something that we could not do ourselves. He removed our sinful nature. He has removed our old identity and gave us a new nature that is responsive to him. He gives us new life that's abundant and he gives us new life that is eternal. So I ask you, do you believe that Jesus did that for you? Friends, if you were to stand before the Lord today, would you be able to say that you have been born again through faith in Jesus Christ? So are you born again? Have you been born of water and the spirit? Do you believe that Jesus was lifted up for you, taking the punishment that you deserve upon himself? Mothers here this morning, you have a great task ahead of you. And maybe you've had this task for years. But may you be reminded of the grace of God in sending Jesus to accomplish for yourself what you cannot accomplish. And may you teach and continue to teach your kids about the greatest gift, the gift of eternal life that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Believer here today, let's not forget that this is the message that, that we have been given to believe and to declare. And so let's continue to seek out and to save those who have not trusted in Jesus, that they may believe in him and have eternal life. Friends, change in our lives is needed. And it's possible. The world offers change. The world offers change through quick fixes or through through sin through through our sinful flesh, maybe turning to a bottle to numb the pain. But that only lasts for a moment. That's not the kind of quick fix change that we are talking about and see here. We need to be made new. I, I remember hearing a couple of weeks ago a pastor say. There are all sorts of people who know they're not atheists, so they think they're Christians. I thought that was so well put. But is that what being a Christian simply is? Simply just not being an atheist? No, no, no. A Christian is someone who has been born again through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we all need to be changed. We all need to be changed from living our sinful lives according to our sinful flesh, our guilt-ridden lives of sin, to living a life that is forgiven and free in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for this change to happen, we must repent of our sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we're about to sing, lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. Friends, we all need this new life. There's nobody here today who doesn't need this. Every single one of us needs to be made new. Now, this newness doesn't mean we're perfect by any means. We must continually repent and turn to the Lord and look to him in faith and be cleansed of the sins that we have committed. So have you believed? Are you born again? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ who was lifted up for your sake, who took your punishment upon himself so that you could have hope of eternal life? pray that that is the case for you this morning. This past week, I was uh, reading about uh, a woman by the name of Amy Carmichael. She was an Irish missionary who, who ended up uh, moving to India as a single woman, lived there for uh, almost her entire life, uh, decades, never returning back 
a home in Europe. And, and what she did there, she never had children. Uh, she was single for all her life. She never married. But ultimately, she ended up rescuing and taking care of the poorest of the poor girls there in India. She would rescue them from a life of slavery and prostitution in order to share the gospel with them and, and, and give them the hope of eternal life. So to you mothers here this morning, how might you build and have a legacy like that? Or maybe for those of you who do the providential circumstances that you maybe don't know or you won't know in the future, you're unable to have your own children. How might you be able to build and live a legacy like that? Of pointing others to the gospel, to their greatest need, of being born again through faith in Christ. Let's pray. <clears throat> Holy Father, we come before you now. Lord, every single one of us, due to our sin, is either currently dead or was dead. But we thank you that through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, who was lifted up for us and who took the punishment that we deserve upon himself at the cross, Lord, we can have hope of eternal life and we can be born again. Father, I pray that if there are any here this morning who have not trusted in your son, Jesus, who are not currently trusting and believing in him, they would do so at this very moment. Father, may you, spend, may you send your spirit down to cleanse them and to wash them from the impurities of their heart and their sin and give them a new heart and give them a new life, a new birth that is found through trusting in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, for those who are currently trusting in Jesus, help us to be faithful. Help us to be the people that you have called us to be. And continue to look to Christ in faith as we seek to live faithfully as witnesses and salt and light in this earth. So that we would continue to share the hope of eternal life that's found in Jesus Christ alone. I pray these things in Jesus' name.